Even with their toy drones crashing and new hoverboards catching fire, the computer guys and gals <laughs> survived the holiday season and managed to make it across the finish line into 2016 unscathed. Welcome, Bill, John, and Allison. Um, I'll start with you, Bill. What's the greatest gift you received this holiday season? Something really humble. It's just uh, something that I never splurged on for myself. A really, really nice pair of slippers. <laughs> Surprisingly, <laughs> my, gift, one huh? of my, doesn't have to be tech. A pair of slippers. <laughs> Bill Harlow is the software and hardware technician for Max and PCs at Mid-Atlantic Consulting Incorporated. He, John, and Allison, of course, are the computer guys and gal. John Gilroy is the director for business development for BLT Global Ventures. And Allison Druin is a professor at the iSchool at the University of Maryland and special advisor for national digital strategy for the National Park Service. Allison, the best gift you can give us in the new year is to spare us from your usual disclaimer. <laughs> what do you think? Can you spare us? We are short on time today. Actually, the ethics guys might be listening. Um, so, yeah, no, I have to say, before I tell you what my Who's best opinion? gift is, yes. is that this it, my opinions, opinions are, are my, my own and not that of the National through. Park Service or not even the entire United States government. Okay, so the best gift that that um, I was given actually was not for me. It was for my 11-year-old. We gave her a soldering iron so that she... <laughs> not for one, huh? I know. Isn't that awesome? So that she could build um, electronics and things with Daddy, and the two of them have been soldering everything under the sun. That's fantastic. It's, it's a good yeah, skill to have. It's, it's a good awesome. Skill. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, so that's, that's my favorite. How about you, John? Well, my favorite author is a woman by the name of Barbara Tuckman, and uh, my son gave me the classic uh, August 1914, and so I'm rereading that. She's a wonderful writer. In case you read all her stuff, I read it all. So, but are you reading around. it on a real book? A physical piece of paper book. Yeah, oh. that's uh, what I like to do. And put little notes in there and do. Want wow, to borrow my slippers? Kick your feet up and read, a, read an old school <laughs> book. I'm going to solder your book. If you're an English major, <laughs> you should read this book because her prose is just wonderful. It's 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 fantastic. Well, you can join us by calling 800-433-8850. What was the best tech gift you received last holiday season? What gadgets are you excited to experiment with in 2016? 800-433-8850. Send email to kojo at wamu.org. Shoot us a tweet at Kojo Show. John, a new year brings hope. It brings possibility. And we'll talk about how tech enables that later. But to ground us first, let's discuss all the ways tech has failed us over the holiday season. Let's start with, in what ways did online shopping lists hurt more than help? I'm thinking Target. Target, <laughs> right. I can impress people, too, and say I get my clothes at Target. Mm. But I, I don't think you'd have to be a historian here, like Barbara Tuckman used to be, to, to know what happened a couple of years back when Target kind of made a little silly mistake and, and all kinds of uh, records were compromised. Well, they came up with a, a, a way to share information on Target. I think it's, let's say, if, if I'm about to get married, uh, I'd have a, a registry for bridal gifts, or, or my wife or my fiancé would have it. One what happened is they created this app that probably worked real well, and they kind of slapped their help on the forehead and go, oh, forgot about the security. So they made the AP on there very loose. And so scoundrels like Bill can uh, connect into these apps and get information. And, and maybe not as much information as you would think, but they can do profiles on people like Kojo and get two or three pieces of information together. All of a sudden, you can steal his identity. So this is very just, I find your lack of faith very disturbing. I find it very disturbing that Target went back to the same thing and made the same mistake. Didn't you learn? <laughs> After 2013, when this, uh, when, when, 
target customers' credit and debit cards information were stolen. That was just two years ago. While the security flaw that appeared this year is different, hasn't the company learned its lesson? You would think so, but I don't think it has. I think it, uh, you know, there's a company called Avast Security, and uh, they looked at, oh, a half a dozen different companies just to, to pick around see what it was all about, and uh, and they have an article, and they publish the code, and shows exactly how weak the API is. So I think uh, the software developers out there, they just have to have that, what they call, baked into their code. They have to just think it through and through and, and, and not fall into these traps. I Well, it, I think it's also actually a little bit more complex because this time they fell th- uh, they fell through the cracks because of an app, okay? And I think that people have to remember, you can't just button down your website. You have to button down all the access to the information. It might be through an app. It might be through website. It might be through social media. There's lots of different ways people can get at information. Yeah, so they need you, to test for that. That's exactly right. Exactly. And an unfortunate security hack happened to Brian Krabs, the cybercrime and internet <laughs> security reporter, on Christmas Eve. What was his experience? <laughs> Brian Krabs, what a, you know, I wish I was half as smart as Brian Krabs, and he got hacked. So, <laughs> so if you're listening to this, you've got to realize that everyone who's listening is vulnerable. If Brian's vulnerable. Now, he's probably a, a target for a lot of people. So what happened was he, uh, he got this little message from PayPal saying, hey, uh, something's been changed. And he went back to PayPal, and he, I think he, he changed uh, an access code or something. And then immediately, the person attacked him, went back in and changed Brian's email address and username and password. And it turned out through old-fashioned social engineering. Hey, this is Kojo Nandi here. And, uh, yeah, uh, I, I lost my password. i got to change it. And, and they were susceptible to it. And, and I think that the problem is that what they were attempting to do was to uh, transfer funds to an ISI, ISIS organization. Yep. <laughs> Can you imagine the headline? Brian Krebs transfers funds to The part ISIS. about yeah. ISIS seems especially troubling. How worried do people need to be about not only being robbed, but perhaps something more ominous, being incriminated and supporting terrorism? Wow. I, I, I think what you have to do is be reasonable. I think this two-factor authentication is important. Now, uh, I think if, if, for example, uh, Microsoft wanted me to change my password last week, and what they did is they sent me a, a little text message with the code to use. Boy, that's two-factor authentication. It worked fine for me. I think they have to think that through. Many people are reading the story going, I'm going to get away from PayPal. It seems like there's – even if you haven't used PayPal for years, your your profile, your information is there. It's vulnerable. And uh, I think what you have to do is just if an organization that you have any fiduciary relationship with sends you a note, I think you have to pay attention to it. <laughs> this well, is what's going on here. There was it was really an interesting little simple thing that happened where an additional email address was added to his account to his mm-hmm. account. Just simple. It yep. was really, really simple, okay? And now he got rid of that. He immediately got on there, got rid of it, and then he went off and did something. And guess what? The the person did it again. Right. Mm-hmm. And he didn't have enough time to get rid of that. And that was as simple as it was. And I mean, and so right now we've got all of these this static information about ourselves. Okay, you have your social security number, your email address, your you know different bank accounts, but we need things that are not static to basically secure us. And so that that way of interacting with somebody where you send something to them that you have a, a authenticated, okay, that actually helps. Um, make it more secure. So there's, I, I think we're going to look at a new generation of, of securing ourselves. 800-433-8850. Did tech fail you this past holiday season? Call. Let us know about your stories. Allison, looking past security issues and more and general usefulness, what gadgets turned out to be not all they were cracked up to be? 
Okay, so my biggest disappointment in 2015 were the smartwatches. I kept thinking I was sure that this was going to be my must-have, you know, for the holiday season. Yes, and both uh, Bill and I are pulling up our sleeves going, yes. Our wrists are bare. Our wrists are bare. I'm the only one with a watch. We do not have smartwatches, okay? And I have to tell you, every time I was so close to getting one, I kept saying, you know, it's really expensive. I have to have my cell phone to make it work. The battery life, you know, is short. The software features are just not the must-have. They're nice. It's a nice accessory. And granted, it would look really beautiful on my wrist. But it was just not the must-have. So I forego it. And so I'm waiting for, uh, I'm waiting for the version 2. But I still see commercials for smartwatches, and at least a couple of people I know wear them. One of our guests in the studio yesterday was wearing one. So they may not have been as big a success as cell phones and music players, but they're not completely dead. No, it's just, I mean, I think they will get better too, but I think of like when the iPhone 1 came out, and, you know, day one I played with one, and it was immediately apparent, I need to own one of these, here's my money. And with a smartwatch, it's not an iPhone yet. It is is something that is still a work in progress. And I think the only thing that they've really nailed so far with the best smartwatch watches is they look really, really good. But as far as utility for the general public, I think it's still the kind of thing where if your needs line up, you'll get one and you'll love it. And for a lot of people, it's not a must-have device. Have you been tempted to buy one? You did say it looks really good. I have. And in fact, uh, I was... uh, I've been looking at these Garmin running watches and being like, well, maybe an Apple Watch can do this. Oh, I need my phone. Um, but the Garmin watch can't play music. And, you know, it's come on, guys. Like, I, I have got my money set aside for this. Just, some, you know, get together and make the one watch that I need to do everything I needed to do, ideally without a phone uh, required for tethering. How about you, John Gilroy? Did you find a smart watch of your choice? The- I mean, you need something to make you look good. (laughs) (laughs) Or at least to be smart. I need a fashion upgrade, that's for sure. No, no, I have an old analog watch that uh, is fascinating. I have to admit, though, I was invited to speak at the Apple User Group a couple months back, and uh, I gave this talk, and the first thing they swarmed up me said, what kind of watch do you have? (laughs) And I said, oh, oh, boy, that's fascinating, made in Denmark or something. I don't even know where it was made, but uh, no, I'm I'm, I'm not uh, drinking the Kool-Aid yet. 800-433-8850. 800-433-8850. You can send us a tweet at Kojo Show or email to kojo at You can go to our website, kojoshow.org. Ask a question or make a comment there. What gadgets were a disappointment to you? Is there anything you think is completely overhyped? Better news came out yesterday that Facebook is once again messing around with its users' app experience in order to test loyalty. Among Facebook users who have Android phones, Facebook deliberately crashed its own app to see if users would stick around. Now, why would a company do such a dastardly thing? <laughs> it's, it's data, right? I mean, it, it's, it's so weird to me that they would just go out and do that. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's like, well, I don't know, you know, find out once and for all, they're just using this because it's there for convenience? Or are, do people actually like Facebook? Are they, are they going to seek it out? If we take it from them, are they going to you know, do what they can to get it back? You know, how addicted are they to their, to their feeds? Well, so. you know what's so sad about Facebook is each oh, time... Oh, just one thing? Well, okay, so there's many things. But one thing that really is, is scary is that the kinds of research they do are about behavior, Yeah, are really about the... Psych- I mean, these are psych tests they're doing, okay? Exactly. To see how much candy somebody wants. You're being profiled, essentially. To, I mean, and, and the last ones were to see how sad or how happy your your, your feed need, need be. Generally, when tech companies are testing, they're testing for the bug when it doesn't work, for the thing that makes all the numbers go on the screen as opposed to a video. 
this is sort of scary stuff that they're doing. Now, why are they doing it? Well, because they're afraid of the big bad wolf, which is Google. Mm-hmm. Okay? And they're afraid of what happens when it's harder to get their app because Google right now on Androids owns the Android um, apps, okay? And if Google decides, um, you know, hey, Facebook guys, I don't like you, they can kick them off. <laughs> It's as simple and as complicated as that. Here is Stephen <laughs> in Washington, D.C. Stephen, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Oh, hey, I just wanted to make a comment about a cool tech gift I got this Christmas. Uh, my sister gave me one of these new electronic cigarettes because uh, I've been a smoker for about eight years now, and I've tried all the patches and the gums. And, uh, you know, this is really amazing. I've just been able to uh, start on it and just walk away from cigarettes completely. So, um, so I mean, yeah, it's a pretty amazing uh, innovation, I would say, uh, in the issue of uh, nicotine addiction smoking. Have you walked away from the e-cigarette also? Well, no, not yet. I mean, I just started, like, uh, on this trying to wean myself down uh, on nicotine levels before uh, I feel comfortable being able to go away from uh, nicotine completely. New Year's resolution accomplished. Sounds good. Yeah. Well, at least now you can measure your nicotine intake and bring it down and down and down until you have none at all. Thank you very much for sharing that with us, Stephen, and good luck to you. John, I just got an email from American University yesterday. You know I do work here. Yes. It turns out <laughs> the administration is temporarily banning hoverboards from campus <laughs> because, and I'm quoting here, of the potential impact to the safety of our community. <laughs> What is the safety threat presented by hoverboards? The safety threat is you should get off from behind, not from in front. This is the <laughs> trick with these things, as my experience has been. No, I, people doing stupid things in these boards, and uh, I think it's typical young man uh, sees something dangerous and go after it. And they're indestructible. Nothing will happen. So I think it's the indestructible syndrome playing itself out. The other part of that, too, is also the boards themselves. Um, uh, comprehensive fire prevention program. Fire prevention. Here at American yeah. University. But it's, it's the lithium... Um, ion batteries. Ion batteries. And mm-hmm. they're actually really strong batteries because you've got to have strong batteries to actually... Yeah. yeah, to have the horsepower... Powder, power, um, and they're bad quality. I mean, w- where are they trying to cut corners? Because they're trying to make it so that people can actually buy these things because they're expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, they're cutting corners with the batteries. Um, so you really don't want to overcharge these things. You also probably don't even want to charge them inside, charge them outside. The frustrating thing is that there is so it's such a fad right now that the, so many brands are making identical-looking hoverboards, and you can't tell from looking at them or even the brand name what's inside. And so. they're not real hoverboards, McFly, are they? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that's what's upsetting. But, um, but so, John, you cannot take them to the WAMU um, uh, uh, studios here. You cannot play with them. You cannot – nope. Not take you to a national park. No, you yeah. can't even. Okay. Actually, well, all right, that's a point. <laughs> this, this, this is technically a part of the American University campus, so I don't have a hoverboard, but if I did, I'd probably be leaving it at home from that's now That's right. On. There you go. Don't want to set fire to the whole place. 800-433-8850 is the number to call. We've got to take a short break. When we come back, we'll be continuing our conversation with the computer guys and gal, but you can still call 800-433-8850 or send email. To Kojo at WAMU.org, I'm Kojo Nandi. DC is daily. DC is daily. DC is daily. 
It's news, culture, and curiosities. From the district, Tacoma Park, Alexandria, Friendship Heights, Hyattsville, Falls Church, Northeast Washington, D.C., in your inbox every weekday afternoon. DCS Daily. Sign up at dcs.com slash newsletter. dcs.com slash newsletter. Welcome back. We're talking with computer guys and gal, John Gilroy, Bill Harlow, and Allison Druin. And we've been talking, before we took that break, about hoverboards. Sometimes all it takes for someone to drop a word like hoverboard in a conversation for us to feel like we've crash-landed into a sci-fi future. At other times, Allison, it's reading about a talking dog. What new technologies are, well, afoot for animals in the coming year? A paw? A paw. I love this animal tech story of 2015, my best one, okay? it's um, It turns out that uh, you, I know many of you know that we have working dogs that help people, um, you know, when, when they're walking around, they might be blind, um, they might be deaf, they may have seizures, and there are dogs that know when, uh, when their, their human's going to have a seizure and so on. So um, the problem is when the dog figures this stuff out and they have to tell somebody... Um, we need help. Now, some of these dogs are taught to hit a button, okay, but some of these dogs are not so good at this. So Georgia Tech um, researchers have actually been developing um, a computerized vest for dogs, of all things, so that actually um, they uh, the vest can, you know, if they hit a button on the vest, um, essentially uh, it will say, my human needs help, okay? Um, and it turns out that Georgia Tech folks are not the only researchers in the world doing this. Um, even in the UK, they're actually helping uh, rescue dogs. Um, uh, these are dogs that actually sniff out cancer. Mm-hmm. And they're, um, they're creating sensors to tell uh, people how strong the scent is, the cancer scent is. Um, so really the important thing is, is that, you know, we know that technology can um, empower us as humans, but it really can empower our dogs and our cats and our you know, all the animals that we actually live with, too. They Lass- sniff it, then they touch a paw, and then there's a voice. Lassie it, 2.0. There yep. you go. Lassie 2.0. There you go. Well, it's no surprise that many dogs are intelligent and emotionally aware, but what about robots? What new tasks are robots being programmed to do? Okay, so craziest tech story of this new I don't year. like where this is going. Okay, it's that, <laughs> right. yes, there is an international beauty contest judged by software robots. Yes. You too, okay, can submit your selfie um, to, uh, to, con- uh, to contestants uh, I mean, or to being a contestant. Um, and then basically uh, these robots will use facial recognition software to detect beauty. Now, you cannot wear makeup. You cannot wear hats or have beards. Sorry, Kojo. Um, and uh, it's basically the software um, that is being developed um, by data scientists around the world. And in fact, do they have the alg- the perfect algorithm right now that will do this? No. In fact, it's interesting. This contest is also looking for programmers to submit their best algorithms to detect beauty. And so um, what they're really trying to do is teach robots to evaluate human beings. Is that scary? Oh, my gosh. Um, yes. I know a lot of data scientists, and they know a lot about data. But other aspects of life, nah, I'm not really, no aesthetic things, nah, I'm not really going to trust some of that stuff. I just don't want to, to be – it's bad enough being judged by fellow humans. I don't, yeah. need, I don't need robots and software to judge me now. This is, this is too much. See, I'm yeah. done. I am with Bill. I have a one-word question. 
Why? Uh, yeah, I can judge it. Uh, Why? I think, honestly, what they're trying to do is they're using this contest as a ploy for research. Okay, this is a research. This is a grab at, at, at basically crowdsourcing a lot of data fast so that they can do some really good um, facial recognition to credit, software. Unlike Facebook, at least they're asking. Oh, gosh, yes. I agree. Mm. I agree. Here now is John in Arlington, Virginia. John, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Hey, Kojo. Um, you know, for on the on the new uh, iPhones or, or uh, uh, Androids or whatever, have they still worked out a system where instead of like just asking Siri what the temperature is, you could say, uh, go to wamu.org and verbally read the page uh, for me or something to that extent. Um, I believe you can dictate a, a lot of that stuff. I know with uh, with Siri, you can you can attempt. It doesn't work too well, but you can tell it to open a web page, and you know you have to speak clearly and slowly. So not like me to get that to work. Um, and as far as uh, reading the page back to you, um, again, I'm speaking from mostly iOS experience, but there there are accessibility features that that will uh, allow it to do that for you. Okay, and John, thank you for your call. Good luck to you, Bill. Let's move on to tech that we're a bit more excited. About what uh, gadgets are you excited to try in the new year? Well, there's uh, well, there's also a CES coming. Uh, uh, actually, it's happening now, so a lot of stuff's coming out of there. But uh, there, some of the things I've been waiting for for a while. One of them is uh, consumer virtual reality. Uh, Samsung's uh, Galaxy VR came out uh, late last year, so if you have a compatible phone, you can pop that in. But the real heavy hitters, like the ones from Oculus, uh, the Oculus Rift, uh, Sony's uh, PlayStation VR, and then uh, Steam VR, those are all coming. Um, I think first half of this year, not without an exact date yet. And that's where you're going to see the really, uh, I think, the really impressive. And, and uh, and uh, big budget uh, experiences and games coming out in, in virtual reality. The stuff I've tested, even with the older stuff, is incredible. So super excited about that. And the other thing is uh, there's no iPad Air 3 yet. They had all these new iPads coming out uh, uh, late last year, like the Pro, which is really powerful, supports that pencil. Uh, it's a really fast, uh, slick device that for some people might even replace a laptop. But the Air 2, is just, it's still going along. So I want to see a lot of that stuff trickle down to the smaller and more affordable iPad Air line. Um, and then as far as uh, some of the stuff we're, I'm hoping to see from um, from CES. Um, That's what you mentioned twice, the 2016 International Consumer yes. Electronics Show now in Las Vegas, preparing for a big opening tomorrow. How influential is CES today? What do you expect to be introduced this week? I think a lot of stuff you see at CES um, this week is stuff that uh, you won't buy, quite honestly, but it might uh, get some stuff rolling, and then you'll see trends that maybe will come to fruition by the end of the year. Um, some of the more obvious ones are bigger, better TVs. Uh, the big thing now is uh, LG is calling theirs super ultra-high definition, which is kind of ridiculous, but essentially it's it, uh, for technologies that uh, improve the contrast so the blacks can stay where they are now and the screens can get really bright and they can produce more uh, a wider range of color. So rather than just cranking up more resolu resolution that most people can't really use in their living rooms, you know, just other ways to make the picture really pop and also make it stand out if you've got like a typical house with sun and lights in it. But aren't some of the TVs that they're showing there, um, they're going to start talking about that being the center of the smart home uh, yeah, and, and really sort of saying, okay, where where can people connect all of their various different uh, uh, things? There's definitely smart home tech going uh, going on. Um, there are new smart thermostats coming out. Um, Samsung's putting more power into their fridges, of all things. Um, so I think, I think the connected home is a big thing. I'm not sure for most people that will necessarily be... Um, and be the TV. I think for a lot of the smart home stuff, the appeal seems to be to be able to control it easily from, say, um, something portable like your phone. And yeah. the idea of parking yeah. in front of the TV to control some of this seems kind of backwards to me. Yeah. Last century. 
We got a Facebook message from Mead in Arlington who says, Fitbit charged HR was a huge disappointment. In our car, after sitting still and driving 300 miles, the Fitbit registered me for 200 steps. <laughs> oh. Actually, that's not bad considering. 300 miles, 200 steps? I'll take that. It's a giant I was about step. to say, that's pretty cool. And we got a tweet from Bethany who says, um, I would so rather have a dog sniff me for cancer than do CT scans and radioactive yeah. injections. Yes, I can understand it is how so true. they would definitely prefer yeah. that. And we got an email from Steve who says, Question, does the group recommend changing the passwords on one's router periodically or just once? I've read hackers are finding their way into networks. Also a 2015 tech horror story. I had an absolute mess upgrading Windows 7 to 10. Thoughts? didn't happen to me. Yeah, the, I'll just say about Windows 10, it went fairly well for me, but certainly with any big OS upgrade for Windows or for Mac, you know, you know back up first because you never know what may happen. Um, as far as the, the passwords, um, if you haven't changed your Wi-Fi password in forever and you have you know, various people who know, know it, good idea to update it. Also make sure that your router password, the one you get in there to actually make changes, make sure that is different from your Wi-Fi password and, and change that periodically too. Make them both strong and don't use the same one forever. I think it's a good practice. Got to take another short break. When we come back, we'll continue this conversation with the consumer guys and gal and take your calls if you've called 800-433-8850. There's still time to call or send us an email to kojo at wamu.org. I'm Kojo Nandi. Talking with computer guys and Gail Allison Druin, John Gilroy, and Bill Harlow. Taking your calls at 800 433 Here's Mike in Great Falls, Virginia. Hi, Mike. Hi, how are you, Kojo? Thank you so much. I always enjoy your show. I was just wondering, I wanted to go back to your security question. Is there a good program or site that you could use for encrypting your password? Nowadays, the different sites ask you to update your passwords every 30 days. So, you know, for your different levels of security, you like to try to keep similarity sometimes, but sometimes you have to change them. So is there a good program or software that you could use that possibly is encrypted? I'll take the answer off of the air. Thank you so much. Thank you for your call, Mike. Any suggestions, John? Well, the one I use, um, it's, it's a password keeper for uh, for Mac, Windows, uh, phones. Uh, it's called uh, 1Password. And you, you can store your passwords in a vault there, but I think the thing you're talking about is I think just making good passwords. And they've got this uh, feature where it can just generate something completely random, and you can change the recipe. So mine are basically as long as any website will allow, and it's a mix of uppercase, lowercase, numbers, uh, symbols. And, uh, yeah, there's no way I can ever remember those, but they're quite strong. You know, Mike may be barking up the wrong tree, speaking of animals, um, I think people get away from passwords. Uh, I think, look at the experience with Brian Krebs. He had great passwords. Yeah. I mean, really, really, could you imagine his passwords? Really, really long and complex. Well, it's still necessary evil, though. So, so uh, I, I would say that, you know, pay some attention to it, but there's a lot more things out there that can happen. If you have 15 two locks in your front door, you leave your back door open, you're going to get killed. So I think you have to, I think we're coming at the, the transition stage, getting away from complex passwords, I, I think. I use LastPass. <laughs> there you go. As excited as we are about new technologies, it can often lead to overconsumption and the development of bad habits. So I'm going to run a few New Year's resolutions by each of you. You can each tell me if you think it'll do much to improve our digital lives. Here's one. Allison, should we take less selfies? <laughs> 
It is so hard for me to decide. I cannot decide how much people need to see my face and not. I have to tell you. Um, mostly I've been taking pictures of my kids lately, so I've been taking less selfies. But maybe it's as I get older, I don't want to take as many selfies. <laughs> What New Year's resolutions are you implementing when it comes to technology? <laughs> Give us a call, 800-433-8850. What do you think, Bill? Should we take less selfies? You know, um, I think in general, I don't necessarily see, need to see so many selfies, but I think a lot of people take them for good reasons, not just, hey, I want to get my face out there. But, you know, they feel good about themselves and maybe, hey, I want to capture this. And, you know, it's, it, it can be a nice uh, booster. And it's, it's nice, too, because you have control over of how you present yourself but when you take your own picture. So I'm okay with them. Okay, here's another. Um, there are countless online productivity apps out there. Should we try any of these new organizational tools or give up and accept the fact that our digital lives are too difficult to rein in? <laughs> <laughs> we're lost. We're out there. Should we, what should we try? I think I'm coming to the conclusion that I am a messy tech self, and uh, <laughs> no matter how many things my husband tries to uh, introduce to me to make me more organized, I always get around them, so I'm not well, sure. In my world, a lot of developers are using Trello and, yeah. and tools like that in order to just so – you have five developers, five cities, and you work on a project. Well, how do you communicate? And, the, and they're getting away from email, and so everything's done That's on good. Trello or a service like Podio or something like that. So those are two tools that I think a lot of the professionals use. Yeah, I would say that, that I mean, I, if, it's worth the effort for sure. I mean, people who um, have massive, massive uh, mailboxes full of data, it just it always seems to come collapsing down at the worst time. So I'm pretty ruthless about what I save. And if I do save it, I make the effort to, do, you know, whether it's I put it in my own filing system or save documents the way I want to or use something like Trello or other tools where you can kind of you know, have these, these boards and, 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 you know, have the – have the data there permanently to reference later. Um, I'm all for that. There's another one called Slack. If you're a Slacker yeah, out there, Slack is good for something, I guess. I mean, it gets you away from email. Okay. Should we set aside strict off-the-grid time to get offline each day? Should I have a really, be, really short answer for this. Should that be a rule in our lives? Yes, we should, and we probably won't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I'm of, the, I'm of two minds because I, I do um, – I do get offline each day for a little bit. Um, now that I work for the Park Service, it's an obvious reason why. <laughs> but um, but I also loved, like, during this holiday season, I loved just being just in the moment and, you know, and for a few days straight just turning it off and, and so on. Um, but uh, actually my uh, app of the month has to do with turning it off. Um, can, I, can I tell people? How will your app of the month help you turn, help you step aside from the grid? Well, it's called Stand Up, and it's um, it's a free Android or iPhone app, and it, it, t it reminds you to take a break and stand up because you're not supposed to sit all the time. I know that's hard to believe because we're all sitting here in these chairs. You know, chairs. you can buy a $350 Apple Watch. It'll remind you, too. <laughs> <laughs> News from Pew Research Center. Have it right here. One-fifth of Americans report going online almost constantly. Um, I mean, that's what you're fighting here. Yeah, constantly? Yeah. yeah. And they tend to be, you know, of the younger generation. So take... Constantly, that's that's scary. You need an app to tell you to stand up every now and then. Yeah. An app to don't use apps. Something, well, it's, something my mother used to do all the time. Well, you know, you're going to laugh, but remember way back when, years ago, when we talked about treadmill desks? I yes. I totally fell in love with a treadmill desk. I have one at work, and I have one at home. And so I actually use treadmill desks, and I do I, I have standing desks. So I have a combination of, of sitting and standing, and so it really it, it's totally changed um, – 
my attitude about work and my back and everything else. So I don't need this app, but I tell you, I do know a lot of people that could use it. John, your favorite app of the month. My app of the month is uh, River Seat. Uh, I write a lot of blogs, uh, and, and I always use images in my blogs. The best practice now is an image every 350 words. And so you got to be careful with images. And you can use this little uh, tool to find out the origin of the image. So I'm just very, very flipped out about respecting people's rights when it comes to That's pictures. That's excellent. Do you have an app of the month yourself? I do. It's, it's more of a game, actually. It's called Her Story. It's for mm. uh, Mac and Windows. And what I love about this game is, like, you know, anybody, you know, can, can play it. It's not, you know, for gamers necessarily, but gamers love it. It's uh, a detective story, and you're basically reviewing um, archival interview footage um, of a, a woman. The police um, interviewed her, and her husband went missing, and you just search the database, and you review the clips, and you take notes, and you try to figure out what really happened. And that it's, it sounds really simple, but it is so compelling, so easy to play, respect your time. You could you know, see everything in a couple of hours, but uh, really, really engaging. And it, all the work happens in your head, which I love. So I highly recommend it. It's on sale now, so it's just a few bucks, and you got a great game slash kind of movie, really. Have you found the woman's husband? I'll, I don't want to spoil anything. I'll just say that uh, the story left me satisfied. Oh, Okay. No spoilers here. Yeah, because you kind of draw your own conclusions. So. <laughs> oh, All right. Man. Here's Vicky in Leesburg, Virginia. Vicky, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Um, so I have one computer that I got Norton 360 on, and it, it was for several computers. So then I have a second computer that I use for um, financial things only, and I went online with that, trying to get the Norton loaded in, and I had it, I had trouble. It wouldn't load in. So then I go online, and I get an 800 number for Norton, and I call the guy up, and um, he says, oh, the Norton's been disabled on the computer. Um, and we do this one-time thing where he looks into the screen, um, and so he has access to the computer. He goes, oh, you're 90% hacked. And wants to sell me all this other stuff, ah, but never. I knew that's where we were going. I figured that's where we were going. Wants to sell you all this other stuff. Yeah. John Gilroy, quick advice. We're running out of time. That was John McAfee. He was accused of that 20 years ago. And uh, you need a second opinion. That's it. Get someone independent and have them take a look. I don't trust the Norton folks. Thank you very much for your call, Vicky. And that is just about all the time we have. John Gilroy. He's our WAMU computer guy. He's director for business development for BLT Global Ventures. Did you mention any New Year's resolutions at all? Answer more questions from listeners. That's Ooh. that's your New Year's that's resolution. That's the resolution, yeah. They just, ask, we answer. That's what I'm all about. You're going to just play nice. <laughs> yes, for once in my life. <laughs> Bill Harlow is our computer guy, and he's a hardware soft and software technician for Macs and PCs at Mid-Atlantic Consulting Incorporated. Any New Year's resolutions for you? Uh, I'll show up next month. <laughs> <laughs> That's a threat. <laughs> we love you showing up. And Allison Druin is our computer guy. She's a professor at the high school at the University of Maryland and special advisor for national digital strategy for the National Park Service New Year's resolution. New Year's resolution is to um, go out to national parks. And to, when she appears on this broadcast, <laughs> she's not, she's the not representing of any park. Right, represents no. nobody at the National nobody. Park. Together, there are the computer guys <laughs> and gals. Thank you for joining us, and thank you all for listening. I'm Kojo Nam. What about
Thanks for listening to the Kojo Namdi Show. And if you're already a member of WAMU 88.5, thank you for your support. If not, it's easy to give online at WAMU.org. Just click the Donate button, and thanks.